TCU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome into this edition of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. It is a Thursday, September 21st edition of the show. And we got Mark Yellock back in studio for the second straight Thursday. Coach, how you doing? Yeah, you want me here another week? Yeah, yeah. You. <laughs> you did so good, we wanted to bring you back. Uh, we'll uh, we'll keep it going to the fans demand otherwise. How about that? Oh, that's fine. That's yeah. fine. I love Tucker Ball anyway. Yeah, well... Uh, Disappointing uh, outcome for the ECU Pirates. Obviously, you're an alum. Not only did you coach here as the former defensive line coach, but you played, you uh, bled, uh, you know, sweated on this turf. So when you when you watch a game like App State, you know you're a proud alum. What it, you know, what kind of are your takeaways uh, when you when you watch that? Oh, the first thing is that you know it 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 was it was a disappointing loss, of course, to the fan base and to a lot of the alums and. And people, you know, played and or or foot five, right? <laughs> foot five, <laughs> former football players know what I mean when I say that. Um, um, but it it the first thing I, I think about is recruiting. I mean, because you know, back when when you play like teams like when ECU plays NC State or ECU plays Carolina, ECU plays South Carolina or Virginia Tech or those schools like that. Um, you know, you're amped up, and, and and one of the things that you do is that when you win when you win those games, you kind of on that side. You're thinking that all right, it's going to help us in recruiting because we can have that say, hey, we we're just as good as those guys, right? Um, and that's the first thing that, it hits me is 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 the recruiting aspect of it, you know. And I, and I don't know the dynamics of where I know App recruits more in Georgia and Florida and and, and that area. That's their kind of where they kind of like right. the home in traditionally. Um, but that's the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, in-state-wise, I mean, just covering recruiting firsthand for 24-7 sports. I would say East Carolina, 75 80% of the time gets a guy over App State, if not higher. But, like, this is now twice in a row App State has beaten ECU. So, I, I don't know. Like you said, they do recruit Florida a decent amount, you know, for a school in the mountains. They actually get some good talent. Traditionally, they've yeah. done that. You know, if you yeah. look over the years, even in their one double eight. Um, years right. that, that's what they did. Even when I was in Elon, you'd be surprised how many Georgia and and Florida and those type of kids they recruit. You know, and, and you got to think about it too. Their coaching staff is still underneath the same tree, right? And it's the same guys that's been playing there, and they keep alums, they keep people who played there, they keep people who who have been in that program for years from from a from a, either a coaching perspective as a GA or in growing up, or as a former player. For the last couple of coaches, if I'm not mistaken, it, yeah. it's been that way. And um, something to be said about that. Yeah, they're all under that same uh, regime, uh, all, all come from that same background. They kind of run the same system, too. You know, that's, exactly. that's, that's why they've been able to keep it going. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask you about this, too, just while we're on the topic. You know, you look at ECU, their history, back when they were obviously in Conference USA and independent before that, they were able to take guys who maybe – were not full qualifiers at times. Mm-hmm. When you were on staff in our conference, USA, could y'all take non-qualifiers? Yeah, yeah. It, it, all that stuff stopped when we got into the American. Right. How much did that impact? Well, you know, it was, taking some talent. Well, see, here's the, here's the thing that people don't understand is that 
Um, a lot of that prop stuff is also predicated on the university and the admissions of the right. universities and what they're allowing to accept for us to take in. Um, well, I say us. I've been at EC for a long time in the right. sense of, of being a player, a GA there, you know, um, and I've also – you know, coach there. So I kind of know some of the background stuff that a lot of people don't understand. Right. Like you got, and I don't know if Marshall still, still does this or not, because it, it all depends on if, if the Sun Belt or if anybody else allows them to be able to take the props and stuff like that. I know Marshall was pretty huge yeah. at that. Um, but, but it depends on the university allows you to take certain amount of guys and it's a case by case situation. And, and props are like when you take a non qualifier like that. They get at the time. I know it may differ be different now, but at the time, that kid couldn't play that first year, and he had to at least get twenty four credit hours for him to be able to be enrolled on scholarship. Because that kid is not even not even on scholarship right. for that first. He's just in the university for that right? first year. Yeah. He's just in the university taking classes and, and having a um, so to say trial period. Right. For him to be able, he can still lift. He couldn't even lift with the team or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But when you go, get those guys like that, you try. It is kind of still kind of hard because you got to kind of almost interview that guy, and make sure that guy is is exactly who you would want him to be. Um, not just not only athletically, but also mentally, because you you are taking a risk on a on a young man. And see, the, the problem is, is that you strike out more than you you get. Right. And just like with anything else, nothing is a hundred percent. So, you know, we were just lucky to get guys like Guy Wimper and CJ and Jay Ross and um and Quentin Cotton and um I want to say gosh I want to say one um one of the Norman Witt I, I want to say Norman was a was a prop yeah. um I, I know I know there was a receiver too in that time all those guys we just kind of hit on air last one of them in that time and they kind of helped Skip Holtz and that, and that his old regime and that that deal too um. But sometimes you don't. And then when that kid don't make it, and I don't mean to make this a long time. Right, deal, right. It's a, it, it puts a little sh- shadow over, the, over yeah. the coaching staff. And so I, I think, I, I know Marshall still takes a, a decent amount of kids like that. And, and, you know, like you said, there's good and bad, but it allows them to get talent maybe they don't otherwise have access to. You're not going to beat like a, you know, a Power Five program going to the state of Florida or Georgia for if you're Marshall without some guys having some academic problems as well. So, you can get some breaks like that. I, my point of view is, I thought ECU always got a few guys like that. They missed two, but now you're you're having to take a guy who is a qualifier and develop him, and you're maybe not getting that extra athlete. But see, also too, you got to look at it this too: is that you couldn't take a lot of out of out of state guys. They had to be in state guys because those out of state guys had to pay out of state right. tuition. So you know they still had to pay. Pay their own way. They had to pay their own way for that first year, and that was always the case. And then. Here's the next thing too. You got other schools that are saying, "Hey, go to JUCO. We'll get you in two years. Why are you going to go to East Carolina? Let's say NC State or whoever team. You right. know, what I'm saying that was recruiting a young man um, that we were looking to prop. You had to make sure that he didn't listen to that, and you can get him. So he had to be an in-state kid who had was very close on his academics, um, and it kind of helped in North Carolina because it wasn't a lot of JUCOs. I know Lewisburg wasn't as 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 fluent as it as it is now, right. and they run a good program over there. Um, I know we got a couple of guys that's on the team yeah. from there, um, and that that was that was just the time at, the, at that particular time that you can be able to do those. But but it's it's I still with the props, and then you still have the, the you still have the um, portal guys. Yeah. kind of somewhat kind of similar. Kind of similar. Trying to get it. 
trickle down and the effect is probably similar in many ways. Yeah, uh, other Mark, than the academic aspects. Right. Mark Yellock in studio with us here on this Thursday. So East Carolina made the change from a quarterback perspective. They started Alex Flynn. He basically played the entire game. The, you know, 75-yard drive to start off with. It was a good way to start. And then we saw some of the same uh, effects in the second half we've been seeing the first two games. So what did you make of Flynn's performance and kind of just the, the offensive inconsistency at times against App? Well, I think that they are, again, this is this is a growing, I know the fans don't want to hear this, but it's, it, it is still a growing process when it comes to those comes to that position and comes to that side of the ball. Um, you saw guys getting more involved. You saw they getting 30 out there in space. You saw 80 getting a couple of catches, or I don't know how many catches he got on the Take stats. three, yeah. Um, you saw him triggering him a little bit more. You saw some receivers. They didn't make as many as much as you would like them to do. But I think the biggest issue in that game that a lot of people are not talking, a lot of people want to they, they're talking off emotion, of which I get it. Right. It's App State. And, and, and as a – as ECU, you're supposed to beat those guys. Right. I mean, that's just how the fan base feels. Just like an NC State guy still should feel that they should always be ECU. You know, so um, I, I understand that. But if you look at the stats, if you come through the stats, and again, stats don't always tell you the the, 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 the glorification of it or, or what's wrong with the game, but also it, it tells some trigger points, right? All right, third down, ECU was 3 out of 11. All right, App State was 7 out of 14. Okay, then it's, it's going off the set. That's a big, big difference. Yeah. So, and it, check this out. The amount of plays, ECU had 60 on offense. App State had 74. A lot of that is attributed of keeping the chains Third moving. Down, yeah. And 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 it, it's it's it always. Remember last week I said we got to do we got to run the ball. We got to get a little bit more on the run game. 99 yards rushing. Now that's net. Of course, they right. lost some in the sacks and stuff like that, yeah. which, which is going to happen when you're behind and you're trying to catch up and you're trying to be a little bit more aggressive on offense. Things like that's going to happen. Um, they got 239. Okay? So so it's it's for me, the telltale sign is the third down efficiencies um, for the offense, on the offensive right. side. And rushing and, in my opinion, the penalties. Yeah. When you – Give those three things. Go back and I, I, this game right here is very similar to the Houston game. Look at the stats in, in, in last year's Houston. Yeah, game. yeah. All right. Last year when they, you know, they, I think we had like nine or eight something like points, and Houston had like twenty or thirty, something to that extent. Right. All right. Third downs was an issue. Rushing was an issue. All right. Turnovers was an issue. I mean, that, that 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 if you solve those situations and you keep the chain moving, regardless of what you throw the ball here, run the ball here, run more outside zone, run more this this person does this. If you manage the game on offense to to where you can get better at those numbers, yeah, then you can probably see a little bit better um, solution. Time of possession in the second half, nineteen to eleven in favor of App. Oh, yeah, they were six of eight on third down. So exactly right. They couldn't get off the field. Exactly right. But see, here, here's and the you, thing: you couldn't stay on the field. Exactly. Well, App State's fifty percent on third down. Yeah, seven yeah. out of fourteen. You know, and I'm pretty sure that number went up in the second half. Yeah. Um. So, so it's 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 telling when it comes to that. And the three interceptions doesn't one in the first half and two in the second half. If you look at the drives, okay. The first position after after halftime, if I'm not mistaken, EC throws a pick. Yeah, they had a drop pass across the middle, which would have been a big play. Then the next play was third and long, and they threw the pick. And threw the it pick. was a one point game at the time. Exactly right, one point game at the time, and so all of a sudden now you're you're staring you're staring you're staring down the hole. 
Right. And this Already. offense, I don't think, is at a point where it, they're going to come back from a no. big deficit. No. Well, here, here's the thing. Well, here's the thing. You can't you can't put yourself in situations like that to 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 have to fight out of. Because if you know, you, like it's, like we said before, if we know your strengths and weaknesses of the team, and you know you're struggling, you, you try not to put yourself in situations that's going to that's going to make it even harder for you to be able to right. overcome. And once I saw, and me personally, once I saw that game being a one-score game in favor of ECU, yeah. I was like, okay, all right, now they've really got to, you know, saying they re- either the defense has really got to knuckle down here and really do it, or they got to play, they got to just run out of here and win by one, right? You know, but and it didn't happen, and, and I get it, and 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 I think. And I'm pretty sure the coaching staff is saying the same thing. They're looking at the stat sheet just like we'll that that we're looking at it, and they're they're seeing glaring issues there. Coach Kirkpatrick said that he practiced first down more than he has in a long time this week on offense because basically every third down for them right now is third and seven plus. I mean they're in third because they can't get any first down efficiency. You know they they ran the ball I think nine out of twenty three times, and every single run attempt was three yards or less. Uh, they had multiple incomplete passes on third down, so they're just not setting themselves up for second medium. And how, how much of an issue is that? When you're a defensive coach, that's your like, that's your ideal scenario, right? Nothing on first down. Well, what you try to do in, on defense a lot of times, and it's pretty universal, no matter where you are at, you're trying to get at least three yards or less. It's just just play the math. You know, if you, if a team is getting, you get four tries <laughs> to get right. a, to get ten yards, right? Um, if you hold a team from less than three yards on first down. Um, then all of a sudden now you put them in a disadvantage. If they can get three yards or more on on, on first down, then all of a sudden the game they got to waste down on second down, and they got more options they right. can play in order to get to a to a manageable third down in order to execute another set of downs. Um, and I think that's probably what they're they're struggling at right now is, is is getting to the point where they can get a manageable third down and and it, and it even more so it, it magnifies it magnifies itself mm-hmm. even more so when you have um a quarterback who's not as experienced right. a, a quarterback who's just trying to find his way and in an office is just trying to find his way did you see enough out of alex flynn to you know for things to build on at least yeah he had the three picks but did you see much out of him offensively you can tell what they're trying to do with him and 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 it's and it's again it's just trying to get in the game mode i mean that tip they got an interception that happens. It's just yeah. like I told you last week. The football gods are not. I uh, still got something, something against ECU right now. But and 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 I think that they're they're keep on going with it. I think a lot of that will ease up if they can be able to, um, to continue to have some success in the run game. Um, no matter what it is, because. You know, we can say run inside zone, run outside. I know some some people will say, hey, won't we just run more of this or run more of that? Or run. I mean. You have to run what what the scheme is asking you, you can't to do. Just change you just can't change. Season. You, you got to block it better. Your right. techniques got to be better. Um, that's where it's got to improve. If that's the case, and I'm pretty sure that's what they're working on, and that's what they see on film on Sundays. Um, but that's I think that total needs to get up a little bit more so they can be able to put some more ease. And I mean, you're exactly right. They have to do a better job on first down. They get to get at least three to four more yards on first down so they can right. be able to make it to us a more manageable third and long situation. I'll give you a classic example. When Shane Carden was the quarterback, I always hate to go backwards. Um, but I could be on the sideline after I got finished with talking to the D-line. And it's third and three or third and four. I'm saying, y'all, y'all, y'all guys should sit down. We'll get this. No real sense of urgency. No real sense of urgency. Yeah. But when it's third and 10, 
better be ready. Yeah, but hey, punt team, punt, punt alert, punt alert. Let's get ready to go. It doesn't matter if you have a really good quarterback or even if you have a quarterback that's trying to find his way. Right. You know, I, I think that you get into a manageable third down situations, and the more times you do that, and not just manageable third downs, but pick up the third downs and keep the chains moving, because you can also get the third and two, but not get right. it. It's still not guaranteed. You still got to get the third down. You got to at least get that. So on defense, we're trying to hold a team to at least we're trying to get on the defense 60, 60 to sixty five percent of the third downs. Right. Okay. So that leaves the offense, but what the you know the remainder. So you need to flip that. You know, so that, I think that's the, the biggest thing. Yeah, so App State reversed it. Uh, offensively, they went 50%, which is great for them, and then got off the field at like a 75% clip, which is an elite elite metric. Uh, Johnny Robertson on Facebook, he says, the Pirates are the only team in the nation with zero first downs as the result of a penalty. Conversely, opponents have 11 first downs due to Pirate penalties. Well, it, that's it's, pretty wild. It is kind of wild. I mean, and, and you, you got 11 if I'm looking at my stats right over here, 11 um, penalties for 80 yards. Yeah, now, I, I'm I'm sure every coach is looking at that in the sense of over at ECU. That's something that's getting addressed. Yeah, and the penalties are coming at bad situations and bad timing, and and, and it always does. Right, it always does. No matter if it's forced or unforced errors, um, you know, I think that I think that those things you have to at least cut it in half. Yeah. You're not going to be able to get into a game. If you can just cut these numbers in half and get better that way and just continue to go that way, um, I think that that's, that's the progression that this team needs to, needs to go at. You see last year averaged around four or five a game this year, 10 or 11. So a huge, and a lot of that is inexperience too. You know, new well, players stepping in as well. Check this out. You said it right there, yeah. right? Four a yeah. game. And then now you got 10, 11 yeah. is the average and you're only three. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, and you you kind of trying to find your way too. So right. it's it's a lot of recipes for 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 the situation that we're in right now. All right, he's Mark. Yeah, like let's get our first break in. We'll come back. We will continue our discussion. We'll take a look ahead to Gardner Webb. Also talk about keeping the team together after a tough start. We'll touch on those things on the other side. This is Hoist the Colors on ninety four three The Game. Climb aboard as we set sail and hoist the colors. Matey. Back to the show with Steve and I go on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back into this Thursday, September 21st edition of the show. Two days out from ECU and Gardner-Webb. Pirates looking for the first win of the year. If you do want to call in, we got Coach Mark Yellock in studio. 252-561-8255. If you have something to discuss, we'll take your call. I know we had uh, Pirate Al text me, so he may be calling in. Um, Phil, let me know if he calls in because my, my view is blocked a little bit. Um, all right, Coach, when you look at 0-3 start, from the standpoint of keeping the locker room together, I don't know if y'all ever start. I think we looked at it. Y'all didn't ever start 0-3 in a rough. Uh, y'all had some tough starts. Obviously, every team faces adversity. When y'all go through that, like what what's the biggest key to holding kind of – your position room together, but also the locker room together. Well, here's the biggest thing that, first of all, <laughs> you have to ignore the noise no matter if you're winning or losing, correct? Right. Because, you know, we as fans, and, it's, and you know, we, we can sit here and we can say all the things that we want to say on air or in the newspaper or on, online or whatever. But what really matters, we don't know the the the, 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 the crucial details in the, in the relationships that they have as a, on the team. So... Houston has got a 
strong base with some of those teams, some of those guys. Yeah, you're gonna have some chirps going on. That's just that's what happens when you lose. You're gonna have some guys yeah. get on on the internet and say some things. You're gonna have some some fans get on the net. You're gonna have some mamas and some parents and everything's the gonna chirp. Always love to say oh, they're gonna chirp, chirp, chirp. And, 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 and you know, and that's. But I think personally, I just think that if it's a test to how your program is. And if you can stay tight as an individual and as a team and your leaders of your team can still not just address, address the issues and address, quickly address the issues that you're, that you're facing and that you're doing wrong in and improve on those things, I think that's, that's, where, that's where it really comes from. Right. You can't listen to the outside noise. That's the number one thing. Um, the pressures of the outside noise, that's, that's the one thing that really gets a lot of people, success or non-success. I can give you a class example. We beat Miami one year, and then we go, and then you lose to UAB. UAB. It always felt like UAB. You know what I'm saying? After, exactly. Oh, for us, it was. It was yeah. always UAB. You know what I'm saying? So you go up there, and you went, you beat Miami, and then all of a sudden you beat Army because that was, I think that was the next game. Right. And then, and then all of a sudden you lose to UAB because you hear you hear the noise. Right. So, so you, it, it can go both ways. All right, we uh, we've got Pirate Al on. He called in uh, again. If you want to call in two five two five six one eight two five five, we got Coach Mark Yellock in studio. Uh, Pirate Al, how's it going? Hey guys, I'm doing doing good. Um, I'm glad you're on, Coach. I wanted to bring you down memory lane for a second here. Um. One of the probably, I mean, the Peach Bowl was wonderful, but the game that I remember the, the most was in '99 when uh, <laughs> you know we had the flood and we went down to beat South Carolina, and then we had to play. We were supposed to play Miami and Green, but we couldn't, so we had to play them and uh, over in Raleigh. Steven, you're probably I don't know at that time. What were you four or five years old? I was you, seven. You probably don't remember. I remember yeah, it, but not as not as good as <laughs> I'm sure Mark Gallag does. <laughs> well, let me tell you what happened, man. It was. Uh, Miami jumped on us pretty good. I think um, um, it was it was around twenty-one to nothing or twenty-one to three or whatever, getting close to halftime. Mark, I, didn't, I didn't, don't, don't want to bring this up because I know it probably didn't feel too good. But the one thing I remember about that game was you, you, you uh, unfortunately you got your leg broken, and then and then when they were when you're being carried off the field, you were screaming at the defense, screaming at our players to step it up, man, let's go. And it was almost like it was a start spark, man, because from that minute on, it was all pirates. We ended up coming back uh, and winning the ball game at the end, and the place was was going berserk. But that was a, uh, that was a spark um, when you got everybody fired up like that. I'll never forget it. Well, you know, it was it was. Um, I say this to you. Well, I carry that I carry that deal with me because I <laughs> I got a plate in my leg for that. So that's still that's still that would that that'll be, that that's a little lasting memory for myself. Um, but I, I tell you something funny. It, it was my dad has always taught me when I whenever I was playing any sports that that don't be just don't, I don't want to see you just out there laying on the field just to be laying on the field because you're hurt. You better try to hop off and and or do something. Or I'm gonna come I'm gonna come out of the stands and, and, and beat you. And of course, jokingly he was saying that. But you know, it, I took it seriously. This was back when I was growing. Every time I play sports, I always think about that. And you know, it was it was just one of those deals. I, I was just, we were just blessed in that time that time period to be able to have the coaching staff and the type of players and the, and the type of teamwork and, and camaraderie that we had as a team to be able to overcome that those type of things. And this is before. Now, see, people don't understand this is this is I shouldn't say before, but this was around 
cell phones were getting there. Right. But Steve Logan didn't want us to bring cell phones on, on trips. So nobody, some people had cell phones, but we didn't supposed to have them. But it, it was just a unique time and place, and, 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 and it was it was it was really cool to be able to have to experience that. Um, before the injury, I, I would say, because after that I lost everything. I mean, I lost my the rest of that season, but um, but uh, it, it it was a good deal. I mean, I've always been passionate about 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 pirates and and everything else. So it's 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 a, it's a deal. I have not watched that game. I still to this day I have not yeah. I have not watched the whole game. I've seen it on YouTube a couple of times. I I will not click it. Do you do you remember like did, did you have to go to the hospital or like? Oh they, man, they, yeah, I went yeah. to the hospital. What happened is is that. <laughs> When it happened, of course, I never got hurt like that ever yeah. in my life. So it went numb. I got up. I started walking. Oh, I can't walk. So I fall back down. And then instead of just laying down like they tell you to do, I try to hop off the field. Oh, gosh. And then Katie, one of our trainers, um, and, and Mike Hanley, they come out, of course, as always do. And I'm hopping off, and I'm like, I'm good, I'm good. And she's lay down, and she grabs me by my face mask yeah. and just throws me on the ground. Okay, and then and then they cart me off. I was so embarrassed. I'm on this freaking gator, and they drive me up the hill. This is before NC State has that little end zone that they have now. And they take me to Rex, and then I get the X-ray, and my mom's with me at the time because my mom and dad's at the game. And um, and it was it was they had to pop because I had dislocated my yeah. ankle too, so they had to pop all that stuff back into place. And I had to try to act like I was tough in front of Mama because I didn't want Mama to be worried. So it was tough. it was yeah, it's a tough deal. But do you remember? I, it may have, you may have been in so much pain. It didn't matter. Like the team coming back after that, like just getting word of it. Or did you watch it? Or like, yeah, I saw it from the sideline. Yeah. I saw the last part of it because because when I got hurt, it was going on into the second quarter. Um, so I didn't get back back on the field until probably the third quarter when we was mm-hmm. um, coming coming back. And I, of course, I saw the touchdown by Stokes. Um, and and everything else. And it was it was it was a surreal deal, but it was. Selfishly, to be honest with you, full yeah. disclosure, I was kind of not upset. Right. Glad we won. Upset with the fact that I'm hurt, right. and I know that I wasn't going to be able to come back for the season. Um, that part was 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 the hurting part. So, but it, it but it was a great great, and especially to go through what we went through in order to do that yeah. practicing over at South Carolina for a whole week, practicing their facilities and practicing at a high school, and I mean all those type of things. It, it, you could, <laughs> that's like a movie. I know. You know, that's like about, I've never experienced that ever. And so, but you don't want to go back and watch it because of the injury. It just brings back bad memories. Well, I just, you know, just, I don't want to watch that, right. you know, because that's like, you know, I know a lot of people talk about that, but I just, you know, it's just one of those deals where it's right. like, Kind of bittersweet, I guess. Yeah, bittersweet. Yeah. Exactly right. Exactly right. Well, great, great day in ECU history. But hey, maybe you ignited it with how fired up you were. So. No, nah, no, nah, the kids, yeah. our guys were going to play hard regardless. I mean, yeah. that's just the mentality that they had instilled in us. Coach Connors, Coach Logan, Coach Webb, all those guys, um, Coach um, Shank. I mean, all those guys instilled that in us to, to, to never quit and, and always get the game close to the fourth quarter and then, and then win from there. That was always, right. always the thing that Logan talked about is hang in there. Keep it close in the fourth quarter, and and we'll see what happens. You know, because we knew, we trust our conditioning. You know, I mean, yeah. gosh, almighty! I, I looked at some of the old films, and we were running like crazy, and um, and it showed on games. You know, we were never tired on the field, and I know that's very cliche to say, but but the preparation that we did was 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 what made us be able to do those things. He's Mark Yellow. I appreciate Pirate Al for the call. Let's get our uh, second break in. We'll come back. We'll shift gears. Talk about Gardner Webb. 
getting a win this weekend. Also, a pretty challenging scheme the Pirates are facing on defense. We'll talk about that. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. We're live with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Hoist the Johnny Roger! Now, back to Hoist the Colors. All right, welcome back into the show on this Thursday, September 21st edition of Hoist the Colors. We got former ECU player, defensive line coach Mark Illock. We just went down memory lane. Maybe a not so positive memory lane, but a, a great day for East Carolina football. Yeah, overall great day yeah. for ECU. Uh, talking about Mark's injury during his time with the Pirates. Um, all right, let's let's try and switch gears and talk about this upcoming game Saturday. Gardner Webb, they uh, are a really capable FCS team, and I know that people will see the name if you're a casual fan. Expect ECU to, to roll. Not that ECU can overlook anybody right now, but this is a team that. Last year, almost beat Coastal Carolina, almost beat Liberty. A lot of those players are back. This year, they were beating Appalachian State late in the third quarter until App uh, turned them over a couple times, ran away with the 45-24 victory. They run a really wide-open spread, uh, kind of like what Josh Heupel does at Tennessee now, where they have like the, the receivers split way out wide, almost like near the sideline. Have you had a chance to, to watch any of them? Kind of what's your take on Gardner-Webb? Well, it's... That type of offense is is kind of the thing. A lot of teams are doing those. I think that's very similar to UIW. Yeah. Uh, um, that you know UIW had that running one mm-hmm. late like, last year, and they were doing some of the same things. And and they, they, a lot of they, and I'm not. And this is just me off the cuff saying that I probably do a lot. They try to space you out to get in, get you in space to try to create one on ones. They probably feel really good about their skill players. And, and, and how the quarterback can deliver the ball to them um, and try to get you on a one-on-one with their receivers and try to, you know, get you all spaced out, you know, to try to make, make tackles that way. Right. It's all about, to me, tackling in space, and they kind of want you to commit either to the to the pass out wide or to the run, you know, as far as, like, you know, declaring a defender. So if you're a defensive coach preparing for this type of game, what, what's kind of the biggest biggest keys in your eyes? I think the biggest key is it's just you, you keep your same standards. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's not about – I've always felt this way. It's not. A, it's not about what another team does. It's about what you do, especially on defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I speak it from a defensive perspective. Um, again, going back to what we said on first down, hold them less three yards on first down, get off the field on third down, trying to create at least two or three turnovers in a game, um, and then and if anything, try to set up your offense to a, to a, to a good field position. Um, I think that's always been the goal when you come into every game that you that you face. I think those those, those criterias that you always keep. Um, now facing a particular type of offense like this, what you have to do is you have to make sure that you are are, are doing a really good job of tackling. Um, secondary guys has got to be more aggressive, and that, that shouldn't say more aggressive because I mean, this is not a slight against our secondary that's here now, but they just traditionally you just got to be you got to be able to tackle, get off blocks, just do the normal football stuff. Right. Um, but they're gonna get off blocks a little bit more because I'm pretty sure they got screen game and they're everything throw else a bunch off of that. Of screens, yeah. off, off the screen, so you got to work off the screen game, and so that means that you got to work off the screen game, and you might not get help from a linebacker because the linebacker may have to play a run fake or may have to or maybe displace so much that they have to be more of a third level type guy in order to get over there. And it, been, it also depends on what type of coverage they they depict or they try to run right. um, on, on on defense. So got to tackle good. Again, you gotta keep them from, go- and you can't panic. They're gonna get first downs. They're gonna get. They're gonna dink it around, and they're mm-hmm. gonna get it. Make them try to drive the ball on you. 
And you got to make sure that you, you, you limit the run game. I mean, if you limit the run game and you make it so that the only thing they have is to try to throw it, then you you, you get advantage. Last thing you want to do is have them throw one of those screens. You miss a tackle, and then it goes for you know twenty yards. You want to limit that to what three to five yards? Exactly. You know? I mean, yeah. you do that, or just limit it, limit it to, to catch tackle. Yeah. I mean, that's what you want. You don't want any yak yards after after catches. And just I mean, and if you do it that way, make them systematically drive it down the field. I think try to drive it down the field. Then, then the advantage is in your favor because you got to think about it. They got to pass it. What if they they miss? The guy drops the ball. Now you're looking at second and ten. Mm-hmm. Now you you back in the flow of it, and but the thing about it is you gotta you got to make sure you do a really good job of tackling in space and tackling in run game. Now the quarterback is pretty mobile too, isn't mm-hmm. he? And you got to do a good job with that too. That's always been the case. So it, it's it's a it's a, it's it's going to really come down to to be honest with you, when the games like this it comes down to the to the D line, offense, the O line. Linebackers, running backs, and you know, of course, in the DBs and the receivers, they got to do a really good job. But it really, the difference is going to be between the line, right? And so, looking at them and talking to Blake Carroll, they basically, at least first to second down, they script out the first and second down play more times than not. So they snap the ball in second down with 30, 31 seconds left on the play clock. So they're going to go super fast. It, you know, ECU through the first three games is not facing any tempo like that. Does that take some time to get used to? You know, can you simulate it in practice? Oh, yeah, you can simulate it in practice. And, and you know, you, that's one of the things you do. I mean, what, these days and times, um, you always are going to simulate speedball or yep. NASCAR or whatever, whatever term you want to put it as, as a defensive staff. You're always going to simulate those, those deals in practice um, to the utmost, you know. Um, and – and so the you know, only reason why you do that is so you can get your kids comfortable. The only reason why teams go fast, in my opinion, is to is to get you out of place, to get guys not focused, to limit your play calling on the defensive side of the deal, to try to limit it, to try to limit it. Because um, on defensive staff, you try to have developed calls where it's one-one calls. Like, hey, um, Congo could mean front coverage and everything you mix right. into one thing with one word. Um, I know back in the day we used to have a call in now, 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 now. And whenever you hear now, it meant coverage, it meant front, it meant everything with it. And then once they went to the checking part, they check, we check. You know, so you just got to get them off that fastball. You, you want to get guys out of fastball, stop them on first mm-hmm. down. Limit it. They're not going to go fast right. if they're not getting yards. Incomplete pass or TFL will get them out of it. We'll get them out of it. Mm-hmm. Or, or limited game. You get yeah. them two yards on the run game, they're not going fast after that. Right. Yeah, because they're not as comfortable in second and long as opposed to second and five. Yeah, so. they get five yards. Yeah, boom. Right. It's third and long. And all of a sudden, they get the first down. Boom. They, they're going. To get, and then it, it, that'd be very interesting. I have not watched the coaching film to see when they go speed up. Yeah, right. initially they probably would. You know what I'm saying? Starting the right. game out, but then as the game goes along, when it's a tempo, right? And tempo changes, right? Sometimes you go fast. Sometimes you go slow. Does Garner again? I don't know this because and we wouldn't know this unless we watched the coaching film. Um, is when do they go fast? Is it after a first down? Is it after a big gain? What is their tendencies mm-hmm. to go fast? And what are those plays they run? Like, a lot of teams as coaches, we like to look at, okay, they go tempo. These are the plays they run. They're either going to run outside zone, inside zone, or they're going to throw a screen, or they're going to run a counter to run the screen. They have a series. They, only, they limit their playbook also, too, when right. they go speedball. 
Yeah, because you can only do so much in that short amount of time. Um, so we saw last game, ECU scored twice on defense. He had a pick six from the 17-year-old true freshman, Antoine Jackson, who flipped from Miami to East Carolina nice. as a four-star recruit. He steps up, makes a play. This is for, that was his first time playing. Uh, you also had Siobhan Revel, the other corner, return a fumble for a touchdown. Just for me being at practice, Mark, uh, the, these two guys are as talented at corner. They're long, as I've seen at ECU, and they're both still developing. But if they could get to the point where they're playing man coverage a lot, ha- how could that change things for ECU's defense? Because you just don't find a lot of man cover corners at ECU typically. Well, you know what? It, it changes a lot because it, it when you go man, you say, you know what? This corner can handle him. That corner can handle him. You, you basically – you X those guys out. They got right. a man. And then now you can you can now put your focus on somebody else. But like this, if you can have one guy cover their guy, right, then you can take – then you got safeties that can help with another guys. Right. They can either have bracket coverage or you can or you can add them in the run game or however you want to do it. Then you can – the advantage is on the defense now. But – but in order to, I mean, you don't want to do that all game, right? Uh, you got to pick, pick and choose your moments. Pick and choose your moments when you want to do that. But um, it, it, but it also depends on what your philosophy on defense is too. If you're a man team, oh uh, yeah, of course you would love to have something right. like that. But I don't. I think we're kind of a multiple with mm-hmm. man and zone. So again, it depends on the matchup and depends on how you pick your moments. Yeah, I would say definitely multiple. And last year they played a ton of zone because I don't think they had the personnel. Under rough, were y'all multiple as well, or mainly zone, or we did. Well, we were we we based out of zone. Yeah. I think we were um, a quarter quarter half team. You know, playing quarters to the field and half to the boundary, and we'll play. We'll mix in some zone. We'll mix in some man and some zone, depending on you know, again, depending on who we match match up against. Right. Uh, Mark Yellock is with us. We got a comment on YouTube from Michael. He says, "I keep hearing about." This improvement on offense, but we have been consistently uh, subpar in all three games. 235 yards against Michigan, 269 against Marshall, 240 against App is what he's saying. So, what what do you want to see from the offense? I mean, what I don't know if they're going to go rack up 40 points. You also got the weather; looks like it's going to rain. Um, but what would make you feel good about the offense on Saturday, outside of just winning? No, well, you know that's always cures right. everything, right? Yeah. Um, even with bad stats, right? Um, I think for me is to improve on third down, just like kind of what I've led off with. Because, I mean, not, not everything in the world is going to get fixed in one game. You know, it yeah. may, they may do some improvement versus going to web, um, but you have to at least cut things in half with the negatives. Like, cut off the penalties. Cut that in half. Keep the drives going. You know, and, and, and let's, let's start from there. Let's, let's, keep, let's continue to move the chains. Let's not go three and eleven on third down. You know, let's go. Let's let's improve that. Mm-hmm. Let's cut the penalties out on both offense and defense. Let's not give up two hundred and fifty thirty some yards. I think it was thirty some yards or two hundred fifty some yeah. yards rushing. Two hundred fifty yards. Yeah. Yeah. yeah let's, let's not give up two hundred fifty some yards rushing. Let's cut that number in, uh, at least by sixty or seventy. You know, what I'm saying let's let's cut back on the numbers. Um, turnovers hurt you too. You know, three turnovers. You're going to yeah. lose. Yeah. You're going to lose. I, I, it doesn't matter. Like this, a lot of people say, we scored two touchdowns on defense and we should win the game. All right, yes, you, 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 turn, you turn the ball over two. But they got three to two um, advantage. And all of them are pretty short fields. And check this out. Right? And we had a down and, um, and we lost on fourth down. 
Right. So that's really four. I know this isn't showing the stat sheet, but the, a turnover and downs to us on defense. That's what Rick turnover. Smith used to always say. Oh yeah, we yeah. Yeah, that's a turnover. Yep. So 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 you, so you got to let's let's cut back on those things. I know that sounds like coaching talk, but it's really not. It's really how you win games. You keep the chain moving. You win the advantage on third down. You win the advantage on the ground, especially with the situation that you got as your quarterback. You win the field position. All right, you cut back on the rushing games, and then all of a sudden now you have a, you have a chance to be a little bit better. Because I did see some improvement. Now, mm-hmm. I, I know fans don't see that because they see the score, they see the situation. We talked about it on another time that that right before the half, what happened? Yeah, you're up 21-10. If you go into halftime, don't give up that score. It's a totally different ball game. Exactly. Right. And then you come back out, and yep. they score on their first drive. Mm-hmm. And then the first drive you have on offense, you throw an interception. Yep. So, bam, you, you, you are, and here it goes. And then, and then you have to look also understand, too, they're trying to find that confidence also. So it's very finicky. Yeah. It's very finicky with these kids sometimes where all of a sudden adversity hits and then all of a sudden now, oh, here we go again with, with a lot of those situations. Because that pad is back against the wall. That the, Being there in person, you had the pick six, which made it 21-10 late second quarter. Right. East, you had all the momentum. You could feel app and we're on their sideline of the press box. You could kind of see the guys were down. But then you get the short kickoff, big return, penalty. They start on the ECU 40, and they score three plays. And that just changed the whole feeling of the game. Exactly. Then you go into halftime. Then their first drive. So that's a 14-point swing right there, if I'm not mistaken. It was. It's a 14-point swing right there. And then now here here it goes. And it's already hard to play in the rock. And I'm not using excuses at all, but I'm just using facts in in the sense of what I see – Coaching-wise, yeah. what I see in the situation, and you're looking at it as a coach, like you clean those things up, it changes. You clean, yeah, so you clean these things up. You have a, you have yourself a chance. I'm not mm-hmm. saying you win the game, lose the game, whatever the scenario may be, but it's not a what two or three score difference right. in the game. I mean, you 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 put yourself in a, in a better situation to really do a good job of competing. And I think the way they were playing in the first half, I think you win that game. Yeah, they were rolling with confidence at that time. All right, Mark Gillock is with us. Let's get our final break. We'll come back, have closing thoughts, wrap up the show. On the other side, this is Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Everything you need to know in the world of ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back into the show. On this Thursday, wrapping things up with Coach Mark Yellock. And uh, we were talking during the break, Coach, about, you know, you, you played here for so uh, long and coached here. You were around ECU for so long, and you were under uh, Ruffman Neal's staff, also, also GA with Skip, right? GA with Skip. So, hey, hey, look, and I will have to say, GA with John Thompson, too. Okay, so, so you, you admit it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, I admit it. But that's, that, that's the reason why I can be able to say some of the locker room You've been through it all. I've been through one in whatever seasons yeah. and two in whatever seasons. I have. Been, I've seen it all. I've seen the whole evolution. I've seen the change. Right. I knew that. I knew after that first year with Skip Holtz that he was going to turn it around because of what he did and how, and how he did it. I mean, right. it was it was it was great. Who uh, any of those guys you really still stay in touch with these days? I mean, obviously Ruff now at NC State doing his thing. Of course, Lincoln. It's crazy that he's the head coach at USC still. Doesn't surprise me. I know. It's everybody who was around then says that because, you know, he was it, just it that it, sharp. No, it didn't surprise me because it, it, he was sharp, but his mentality, you saw that saw that was going to happen. Now, again, I couldn't say it was going to be USC. Right. I knew it was going to be a head coach. Um, and he was just 
it, it was just a, a guy. It was down to earth guy too. We used to play basketball in the gym, and I mean, like, we, it was a good camaraderie that we had on that staff, and we still stay in touch. To be mm-hmm. honest with you, we got a lot of group chat that we had ever since back then. Oh yeah. Um, one of the guys we we lost Dave Nichols, like, um, yeah. and that was that was a big blow. Um, and um, but but. I think that no, we always stay in touch. Happy Father's Day, Christmas, you know, everything else. Keeping chat going on. Coach Dahl, Coach Dahl is always talking about the about about about, um, about golf and everything else. But um, but we we stay in touch, and I think that's 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 a testament of how Ruff brought that staff together because it was he always led it with no egos and no entitlements, and I think that even he told that to the players and he also told it to to us coaches, and we felt that we felt that all the way through. Mm-hmm. And obviously that was the ECU you, – you had some ECU ties on that staff because Ruff played here, you played here. And Coach Gare Dahl, Cadet. Gadet played here. So, But even the, if to me it feels like – H-O-F Gadet, the, the coach, Yeah, exactly. The coaches who come here that even didn't play here, like like look at Donnie Kirkpatrick now and other guys, even Lincoln to an extent. Like I feel like once they experience ECU – there's a lot of coaches that want to either get back to ECU or really still follow this place because of what it means to them. Well, it's a, it's a it's a different it's a different dynamic, you know. Um, I've, and again, I've been to other places and everything else, and this is one of the better fan bases that you have to come and support the games that you could be around. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, I've it, it's just it's just a special place that always has potential. You always want it to grow. You always want it to burst open and just be. A, be as great as as we, what we've seen US, UCF has done, and, right. and what we've seen Cincinnati has done. I mean, and and it's we're waiting for that opportunity, and 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 it has the potential to do those things. It hasn't happened yet. Um, it, it will with the, and I think that as, as as we continue to grow, and I think that's the, the that's the attractiveness of it. But you know, also too, the market here, right? Um, the the hometown and the way people just make you feel at home. Um, I think that's that's important. Have you been to a game as a fan yet, or or, you, or have you only been as a player and coach? You know what? I've been. I, I I think the last game I've been to is when I was I was coaching in Valdosta, and they played in um, in Tampa. I went, I went to that USF okay. game, um, but I haven't. I haven't been. Well, I've been coaching too, so right. it's kind of hard to do. It's that your too. first first fall, yeah, kind of taking kind of a fall, break. For, yeah, taking a break out of it. So we got to get Coach Yellock out the tailgate scene, is what I what I'm hearing. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> I have never. I look, listen. That is one thing that I have not have not done. I, that is one experience that I have not. I've I don't never know. tailgated. Never for a college game. Never because I've always been working. Right. Well, what is tailgating? You're working, and then after the game, people <laughs> are like, "Well, why didn't you come do it after the game? Right. After the game, I'm you going back to work? I'm juice, man. Yeah. I mean, I can't do it. Thing, man. I'm, I'm emotionally out of it, right? You know, what I'm saying it's it's really my time to kind of like decompress and and get back to this terrible Sunday because Sunday is always terrible for Sunday me. Sunday is like you're just game planning from no, the it ain't it you, Well, you got to rec- you got to you know on yeah. the coaching part of it. Yeah, Sunday is when you watch that film. Well, you've watched the film beforehand nowadays, but the Saturday night, depending on what time the game is, but you go in there and you got to review. You got to grade your game. Yeah. And you got to either get upset or angry at what your players have done. Then you got to have some justification because your DC or your head coach is going to ask you well, why this person did this in this particular situation. So you got to get that going. And then now you got to erase it in your brain and then go to the next step. So it's a, it's just it's a long day. It's just a long day. Yeah, you know I mean you really busting twelve, fifteen hour days. You know, that's, that's part of it. Well, no, coach, it's part of it. 
we got to get out of here. Appreciate it. We'll, we'll get you back next Thursday, and we'll get you to the tailgating lot before the season's over. All right, there we go. Go uh, Pirates. He, he's Mark Yellock. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 12 noon. This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com, on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Colors on 943 the Game.